Hello and welcome to all of our listeners of the Ask AI podcast. Today we're delighted and excited to be joined by Carol Piovisen, who is the co-founder and the partner of Inc. Datalog. Carol, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. So I got to know Carol um, through a number of different ways. She's a big prominent force in the Toronto, both the law, the privacy, as well as the artificial intelligence and data communities more broadly. I've always been really impressed by Carol's work and her thought leadership. Uh, because I think she's bringing a very, very ethical perspective uh, to a lot of the developments that we see happening from a technology perspective. But what I'm really interested to talk about first, Carol, is what you're up to because you've just started this new venture. <laughs> That's and right. It sounds really exciting. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks. Um, so, uh, about seven weeks ago, I left my firm of almost a decade, McCarthy Tetro, yeah. to found, uh, co found with my partner, Mary Jane Dykeman, a law firm that is really focused on data law and artificial intelligence. And so, by data law, what I'm talking about is data protection, so privacy, cybersecurity in particular, data governance, and then AI generally. And the reason we did this is because there's of our recognition that data is actually very complicated. So data is not just part of a legal construct or a policy context, but you need to be thinking about law, policy, ethics. You need to put that in the context of business. And you need to understand what's happening not only in Ontario or Canada, but you need to understand what's happening in other key jurisdictions around the world. And Europe is a great example with the general data protection regulation, the GDPR. So what we wanted to do was really specialize in data. Um, and the reason for AI is because there is a lot happening in the AI space. Right now, it's very policy-oriented. Mm -hmm. uh, I predict that in the next five to ten years, we will see it become more squarely sort of black-letter law. Uh, and, gotcha. and, and we're operating in the policy world, um, but we're also advising clients on a whole broad range of business solutions when it comes to AI, such as you know, ethical AI frameworks, transparency frameworks, um, good governance for AI, and then the use of AI in just actually solve more difficult and challenging business problems. So with all of that, we combined forces to create a firm that's focused on those two core pillars being data law and AI. That's really, really exciting. And you know, of course, data we all know is sort of the new oil and is certainly the fuel to actually be able to create artificial intelligence yeah. products and mechanisms because they need lots of data to learn about the patterns and to be built. Um, and also, I mean, we feel, we, we, we see this so much right now in the headlines. I mean, you even look in Toronto right now with Google and the Sidewalk Labs, I think the main yeah. discussion is around who's going to own the data. Yeah. Um, do people own their data? Does the corporation own the data? Does the city own the data? Where is it going to be held? You know, and, and so I think there's a lot of, you know, things to think about, not only for just the big corporations like, of course, Alphabet and Google, uh, or even governments, but even just the average business now. It's like, well, you know, data is kind of the new currency that you have. So how can you use it better? How can you even sort of think about that? So. I think, I think it's really interesting that you're thinking about frameworks for that. Um, and let me just jump yeah, in there. Yeah. So companies yeah. in the, have always been collecting data. And in the last you know, five years or so, they're collecting more data than ever before. Yeah. And it used to be the case that data was collected as a byproduct of business yeah. generally. But what's shifted in the last three to four years in particular has been that you know, data is considered 
part of the business. So increasingly, we have companies that are looking to data as the asset that they want to monetize. Mm -hmm. And with that comes a lot of insecurity. So there's a tremendous amount of opportunity, but there's a lot of insecurity as well. And the reason there's a lot of insecurity is because on the one hand, there's you know, a huge amount of money that you can make from the monetization of data. Mm -hmm. And there are tremendous insights that can be derived through the proper analysis of that data. But at the same time, oftentimes it's unclear whether you can actually use the data for those secondary purposes. So if you didn't collect the data for the secondary purpose, which obviously you didn't, then it's unclear if you can use it. And if so, what are some of the regulatory implications? But actually more profoundly, it's, you know, what are some of the ethical implications to doing so? So a lot, what I'm seeing a lot in the news these days in particular is um, companies, the, the larger companies in, in especially coming to the fore and saying, you know, we're, we're going to set up our own guardrails around what we can do with this data. So government hasn't necessarily regulated us outside of doing certain things, mm -hmm. but because we recognize that there will be uh, a hit to our reputation in the public, we are going to choose against certain uses for our data. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is causing some controversy, right? Because companies are set up to make money for their shareholders yeah, and at the exactly sure. yeah. and at the same time now they're being put in a position or they are putting themselves in a position where they're opting against maximization of shareholder value instead you know looking to what are ways that we can better use our data and more responsibly use our data. So I'm putting it as a bit of a dichotomy it's not quite that stark but it's a conversation that's mm -hmm. starting. Yeah, it may not have to be. I mean, ultimately, it's, you know, companies are seeing that there's reputational damage incurred if there's a big data privacy breach or something like that. And ultimately, they may be trying to make, hopefully, I, I think, a medium or longer term investment in, in their company's brand, their reputation, right. because people, you know, care about trust. That being said, it seems like literally every single company, big companies have had a massive data breach. So what I'm interested to, I guess, ask you about is, is there a main tactical problem that you see companies dealing with now? So, I mean, you talk kind of in broad strokes about, well, there's, the issues between, okay, well, do we invest actually in data privacy and do we create frameworks around it um, in the absence of sort of government regulation? Is there a main tactical challenge you find you're helping companies with now? So right now, companies are really struggling with what data they have yeah. what and then what they can use it for. Okay. So it is a data mapping exercise that allows companies to figure out you know, what is the status of their data? What are the sources of their data? Mm -hmm. What can they do with their data? What should they do with their data? It is, and all of that is building towards a broader business strategy for the use of emerging technologies like AI, yes. both for revenue generation and operational efficiencies. We're actually not generally at that second stage of using the more sophisticated technologies. It's more at the first stage of mapping out and understanding what data is there to feed that second stage. So on that though, yes. here's my advice to a lot of companies, which is plan big, start to plan the business cases. Start to identify the business opportunities where a predictive technology like AI could be hugely valuable mm -hmm. to your company. And then work backwards to map out what data you have, what data you need, what is the status of the data, where is it being held, why did you collect it? How can you use it? Mm -hmm. So I actually think the the exercise that I'm encouraging companies to undertake is to look ahead, 
identify where those opportunities are, what problems those opportunities are addressing or solving, and then work back and really do your scoping exercise to determine, and in so doing, you end up dealing with not only how you create the path to the strategy, to the AI strategy or the, the business problem strategy, but also you end up doing an assessment of, uh, almost like a compliance assessment, depending on how you structure it, to ensure that you are in fact operating in accordance with your company's values, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that the company's values, your regulatory framework, your jurisdiction where you're operating. I'm really glad you brought this up, Carol, because I think it's so fundamental. It seems like every company out there is scrambling to figure out their AI strategy, but they haven't even thought about their data strategy first, right. let alone like, as you're saying, like what even is the business use case? Uh, what right. was the problem identification? of these different opportunities that we have to even use data and then subsequently AI to, to solve problems. It's interesting because our other recent interview on the podcast or another interview we have is with Cinchi and they're actually a Toronto-based data network company. Yep. And a lot of their value propositions about, well, how do we just unlock all your data assets from within silos that already exist, yep. especially for big companies. But as you're saying, it's, it's not only just, again, the technology to do that, it's, it's this whole set of exercises. It's, it's this fundamental data framework, this new business case, yeah. thought process to really identify the opportunities there. And that's before this whole AI thing. Right. And then I guess I want to push you a little bit further. So from a legal perspective, so you're doing, you're encouraging companies along this data mapping exercise, this yeah. pathway. And then what would the elements of a legal framework look like for, for that kind of exercise or, or as you're taking them through that? Is there something you could talk about there? Sure. So what you're looking at from a strict legal perspective, yeah. frankly, you're looking at regulatory compliance, okay? If you're really speaking strict to law, you're looking at compliance with privacy regulation and compliance with cybersecurity regulation to the extent, usually that's just under a data protection regulation of some sort or it's under a data security regulation. So that could be regulation. GDPR, for example? That would be GDPR, yeah. that could be the impending CCPA, so the yeah. California Consumer Protection Act. There are, throughout the U.S., all U.S. states have some kind of data protection, data security legislation. Yep. So you might find li little nuggets there. It could be a federal legislation in the healthcare context. Um, there's HIPAA in the, in the U.S. and Canada. We have PIPEDA and we have multiple different privacy legislation here at the provincial level in some cases and then at the federal level. So that's what you're talking about. That's your sort of strict black letter. So we also assist our clients in navigating potential reputational harm. And really what that is about is to, at one point, ensure that there is a proper assessment of the data to avoid unethical data practices. So where there, for instance, there might be an incomplete data set, the use of that data is in the hiring context. And we recently saw this with in the Amazon case where they were trying to train an AI system for the purposes of assisting with hiring. And what they found was that the system was often recommending or more often recommending white males to the particular candidacy, higher level candidacies. Yep. Okay, so that's a problem. Now, as far as I understand from the news reports, and that's all I have, the system itself was never used in active recruiting. They were testing it, and the story broke, and we learned about this. But it's a great example of how you really need to follow the practices closely to ensure a system like that is not used actively that could cause harm to a particular candidate and that could ultimately result in a bad news story mm -hmm. and down the line a potential claim against the company for discrimination.
So that's such a broad number of different, you know, opportunities where I think, you know, companies need to be careful, need to protect themselves. For sure. Uh, it feels like there's, you know, there's way more opportunity than ever to use these incredible technologies, but there's also way more potential vulnerabilities or compliance issues. Yeah, I think that's right. I think we also have to recognize that the landscape itself is shifting, right? Yeah. This is an iterative evolutionary process that we're all undertaking. We don't, yeah. we know there are changes happening. We want to be part of the changes as companies. We want to be modern and innovative. We want to be efficient and offer value. And we're looking at all the tools in our toolbox to be able to do that. At the same time, we're conscious of our existing customer base, mm -hmm. right? And where we live today. So as much as we're looking to the future, we have to be mindful of where we are today. And that's a really big challenge. It's challenging to navigate this transition period, considering we've never really, at an enterprise level, most companies have not been using their data in the way that they are now being encouraged to do so. Mm -hmm. So the potential harms of improper data use are very big and we have seen this. The risks associated with data collection, like mass data collection, are very big and we see this in the form of data breaches. The possibilities are very real and the opportunities are very big. When you put all of that together, I would say there is an imperative to try to find a way to mobilize or liberate your data for the purposes of your, the future of your business but it's not easy. And Carol, I'm also interested to hear, I mean, there are so many opportunities and there is this imperative to figure out this data problem. I'm wondering, you know, just from your own work and your own experience, what are the most interesting ways that you see either your clients or other people in the industry who've been using artificial intelligence and who've got early elements of this right? That's what I'm interested in hearing. So I actually don't think most companies are using advanced I think most companies are looking at more advanced analytics. Yeah. They're not quite yet at the stage of using artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. And what I see is that even some of the biggest companies in Canada in particular are starting to plan out their strategy for the use of AI, but they're not there yet per se. So we've talked a little bit about data frameworks and also the legal practices. I am interested in knowing from a product perspective, I don't know how close you get to maybe your clients, whoever it may be in the process, but how do you as a, as a lawyer think that we should be approaching the product development process now? Yeah, so the way, the where I'm assisting our clients in particular is on in drafting that and mapping out that data strategy. So I actually see it as part of the broader AI strategy. I say that you put together your AI strategy that includes a huge chunk or a huge chunk of it includes a focus on your data, right? The second part is on your business opportunities and what technology you can use to fulfill those opportunities, but you're never gonna get to the opportunities if you don't start with the data. So we have done a lot of work in the healthcare space, for instance, where we're assisting various network participants to create a data governance structure that sets the rules for how data can be used or how it can be accessed, when it would be deleted, who grants access. So all the questions, and I promise you there are many, around, around data protection. Um, and when you're in the product development stage, you wanna be thinking about that. You wanna be thinking about how you're protecting the data, how you're using the data, and you also want to be thinking, as we talked earlier, you want to be thinking about whether you have thought through 
the potential harms to individuals in using your data such that you have taken, you are able to take measures to prevent those harms. Mm -hmm. And I often talk about this in terms of what I like to call your due diligence defense. So in a shifting regulatory framework or a shifting regulatory landscape and where it's not always clear how you need to be operating, the fact that you have turned your mind to a number of potential harms and you have done what you can do to address those harms can be helpful down the line, mm -hmm. assuming all remains equal. It shows that you weren't acting negligently, but in fact you were acting with the best of intentions and trying to prevent the harm as much as possible. So that also goes into our work with clients as they start to develop various products. So, so interesting to, to hear about this because I feel like sometimes when you do see the actions of a company when it comes out from a, a press perspective, like when it's in the news, right? sometimes I feel like they're portrayed as, as the worst actors possible. Right. But I would hope that over time, like, there's at least more understanding or at least recognition that you know, people are trying. It's not an easy problem, and it's such a nascent industry. Yeah. I feel like sometimes we're just unforgiving, and maybe that's how people sell papers <laughs> and ads. But um, I think, it's, for me, it's really positive to hear your perspective on this, because I do believe we have to get, and I'm hopeful that in Canada we can become quite good at this, but a very good ethical piece of product development, um, that we have a very ethical strategy here, I think we have a lot of alignment, even just as a country, like our values yes. here, like good governance. Um, and I'm hopeful that we can we can do that from both a legal perspective and, and but having that, you know, I think that legally oriented ethical perspective, right in the product development process when we're thinking about AI. So I agree. I think it starts from the ground up, and I also agree with you that at the policy level, certainly the guidance that we're getting from our federal government is that we should be innovating. We need to promote adoption of emerging technologies. We are becoming a digital community uh, and a digital country, but we are doing so from the starting position of people-centered ethical product development. That is what we as a country are very proud of and we're promoting. So I have seen this having done work with our innovation team in the federal government. I have seen that there is a clear focus on promoting as I said, people-centered and ethical products and ethical services. So to be clear for one thing, so you were part of the National Data Consultation Strategy. That's right. With the federal government and the Innovation Department. That's right. Gotcha. That's okay. right. Just want to clarify that for listeners. Yeah. Because that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that's no, really, it, was really cool. it was great. It was great. So our Minister of Innovation, Minister Navdeep Bains, appointed six of us to go across Canada and consult on the data and digital transformation of Canada for the purposes of informing policy. And you know, something that I heard time and again is we are a country that wants to innovate. We have a lot of great ideas. We have a lot of strengths in sort of data use and new technologies. And we need to elevate our game. We need to go global. We need to be out in the world because we are values-based. Typically, we are values-based. And uh, we've got a lot to offer, so we need to get out there. 100%. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're there at the table. And uh, I want to ask you maybe one last question, which is just if you could elaborate a bit more on, on some of the most important ethical challenges you think we have. So beyond the legal challenges, beyond even in the product development process, but are there any specific takeaways you think the listeners should have on some of the ethical considerations when developing AI or thinking about AI? 
ethics has to be built in from the beginning. Yeah. You need to be thinking about how the system is going to evolve over time to the extent that that can be determined and what are the possible implications. You can't just innovate for innovation's sake. You need to be thinking about not only can I do this, but should I do this? And if I do this, and you know there are real risks out in the world, how do I put up, how do I set up parameters that will prevent harms from, from, uh, to, to individuals? So this is not just creating a widget. You are creating something that is profound, that is lasting, that is evolutionary, transformative, and that could really hurt people, right? Mm -hmm. The deep fake can hurt people. We need to be clear about how that type of innovation, how that type of technology can get out in the world. It has very good use cases, uh, or it can, uh, but it can also have very damaging use cases. And we need to ensure that we protect against those damaging use cases. It, this can't be an afterthought. You have to be thinking about it from the beginning. Uh, I love how you frame that. I'm going to ask the question one more time because you answered it way more hardcore than the casual way I framed the question. So, Carol, last question. What do you think about the ethical challenges that we face or that we need to think about when we're building AI products? So that's the last time you asked me that question. Carol, wow, this has been awesome. Thank you. I'm so Fantastic. grateful that we could talk about different challenges in the, the legal frameworks, uh, the data mapping, the ethical challenges, the product development process. I feel like we were able to cover a lot in just a short period of time. Folks who are listening in, Carol, you got to look her up. She's constantly posting. She's a thought leader in our country on data privacy and artificial intelligence and all that within a legal and ethical set of considerations. I really suggest that you follow her work online. She's quite active as well on LinkedIn, on Twitter, anywhere else we should be looking you up, Carol. I don't have a website yet, but I will soon. It's going to happen soon. <laughs> Check it out. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Again. Uh, thank you for joining us on another episode of the Ask AI podcast. And we're looking forward to having you again, Carol, in the future. Thank Sounds you. great. to hear you after a year of uh, building the firm. Sounds great. Thanks, Jax. Thank you so much. Senior producer was Mike Letourneau, and executive producer was Chris McClellan. For more information, please visit our website at askai.org.